hello and welcome to Walker of Worlds podcast. My name's Rachel and this is the place where we wander behind the veil to take a look at those little known and long lost urban legends and spooky stories. This is also the podcast where it's Halloween every day of the week. I've been asked a couple of times to cover the following subject. I did it for somebody else's podcast last year and they asked me to do it again for my own but slightly more in depth. It is a subject that's been covered quite widely but is fairly fascinating. So Highgate is a beautiful suburban area of North London just to the northeastern corner of Hampstead Heath. Up until Victorian times Highgate was a village and has a centre made mostly of Georgian shops, restaurants, pubs and residential streets. Highgate has a number of green spaces including Highgate Wood, Hampstead Heath and Queenswood. Highgate Underground Station is located on Archway Road and is part of the Northern Line. However, if you're travelling to the location this podcast is about, you'll need Archway Station, which is also located on the Northern Line. Highgate was once home to Europe's first cable car, which ran between 1884 and 1909 and was a means of getting up the steep Archway Road. Highgate has been featured in so many books, films and songs that it's probably impossible to count just where the area has popped up. Probably to the disappointment of the area's residents, Highgate is, f- is famous for one particular place. And we're going to talk about it right now. Highgate Cemetery has been home to numerous ghosts, ghouls and spirits for as long as anyone can remember. One gentleman whose car had broken down beside the cemetery saw a figure with glowing red eyes glaring at him through the railings. Other sightings have included a woman with long grey hair, a dark shrouded figure, a floating nun and of course the now infamous Highgate Vampire. Before we delve into the depths of Highgate Cemetery, let's get a little of the site's history. The cemetery occupies 20 acres and is sprawled on the hilly slopes of the south side of Highgate Village. It was opened in 1839 and soon became a sought-after burial spot among Victorians in London. By the early 20th century, thousands of people have been laid to rest, including many famous names. Karl Marx, Douglas Adams, George Eliot and George Michael are among the many celebrities who count themselves among the cemetery's residents. Highgate is one of the Magnificent Seven. Built in the Victorian era, these seven cemeteries circle London and were intended to be places of rest and relaxation while thinking on the loved ones whose remains rest there. Much like Highgate, many of the others also have their own stories. Split into two parts by Swains Lane, the West Cemetery features the the famous catacombs, while the East Cemetery is the final resting place of many a celebrity. Many a beautiful tomb is hidden among the trees and left to the sands of time. However, in the wake of two world wars and and with cremation becoming the norm in the 1960s and 1970s, Highgate was left to rot. It wasn't until the 1980s when the Friends of Highgate Cemetery obtained the freehold to the cemetery and began their preservation work. In the years since, they've worked to preserve Highgate as a place of historic beauty while continuing to allow burials to occur within the grounds. It was in the lawless years of the 1960s and early 1970s that our story begins. In 1967, while walking along Swains Lane, two teenage girls claimed to see the dead rising from their graves. Another teenager had been woken by something cold clinging to her hand. Something which, come morning, revealed it had left marks on her skin. Other reports speak of a tall man in a hat walking around the grounds of the cemetery before melting through the walls. Finally, a schoolgirl, Elizabeth, had seen the vampire when walking down Swain's Lane. 
Elizabeth began having nightmares in which something evil tried to come into her bedroom. Eventually two wounds appeared on her neck and she started to display symptoms of anemia. One of our protagonists, whom you'll meet in a moment, Sean Manchester, along with Elizabeth's boyfriend, filled her room with garlic, crucifixes and holy water and her condition soon improved. With the cemetery all but abandoned, it became a playground for people from all walks of life, with reports of orgies and witchcraft popping up on a regular basis. And then, much like now, the media got hold of the stories. In February 1970, on a Friday to be exact, the Hampstead and Highgate Express ran the bone-chilling headline, Does a Vampire Walk in Highgate? The article was an interview with one of the main players in this dark and sordid story, the man who, that we mentioned just a moment ago, Sean, in which he spoke of his theory on the vampiric presence within the graveyard. By this point, the situation had already grown darker when the remains of several animals were found within the cemetery. They had what appeared to be lacerations in their throats and their bodies were drained of blood. Around the same time that the Hampstead and Highgate Express jumped on board, a local man and self-proclaimed magician, David Farrant, wrote to the newspaper with a claim that he'd recently seen a grey figure that he was certain was a ghost. His sightings were backed up by several other residents. And this is where the story begins to take a turn from the horrific into something that wouldn't have been out of place in a Hammer horror film. In fact, a Hammer horror movie, Taste the Blood of Dracula, had been filmed in Highgate Cemetery in 1969. Not to be outdone, another local and someone who we've already met twice, Sean Manchester, wrote that the apparition wasn't a harmless earthbound spirit, but was in fact a vampire. Sean was another man with a patchwork of interesting jobs which included exorcist, bishop of the mysterious old Catholic church and, of course, vampire hunter. While Sean claimed that the, the ghost was a vampire, David was firmly of the belief that it wasn't and so began a rivalry with both men claiming that they were going to bring down the figure that was stalking Highgate. However, this wasn't the first time that a vampire had been reported in London it probably wasn't the 9th or 10th either. In November 1968, the London Evening News reported, on the night of Halloween 1968, a graveyard desecration by persons unknown occurred at Tottenham Park Cemetery in London. These persons arranged flowers taken from graves in circular patterns with arrows of blooms pointing to a new grave which at the time was uncovered. A coffin was opened and the body inside disturbed, but their most macabre was driving an iron stake in the form of a cross through the lid and into the breast of the corpse. In February of 1970, the two men were determined to bring about the fate of whatever was haunting the cemetery. Just like today, the media whipped the public into a frenzy as they broadcast a programme on the unfolding saga the night before the haunt. Within hours of the broadcast, dozens of amateur vampire hunters armed with homemade stakes descended on the cemetery from all corners of London and overwhelmed the police cordon. One eyewitness said that the crowd resembled a football crowd and several squads of police were unsuccessful in controlling the mob that shook the cemetery's gates and scaled the railings. One attendee who caught the media's eye was 25-year-old history teacher who travelled from Essex with several, several students. Alan Blood spoke to the media of his lifelong interest in the black arts. 
Sean Man- Manchester claimed to have been in attendance at the so-called hunt and described it as being like the ending of a Frankenstein film when the monster is being chased by pitchfork-wielding locals. In the end, about 100 people managed to get into the old part of the cemetery before being chased back out by police with searchlights. Sean and Matthew, however, continued with their bickering. Sean even claimed that the vampire wasn't just any old vampire. He speculated that it was a king vampire that had been brought to England by its supporters in the late 18th century and had been stored in a house or castle, depending on which version you hear, in London's West End. He also believed that this vampire was the culprit behind the many animal mutilations in the area. As with any news cycle, the Highgate vampire soon faded from view. That was until August of the same year, when a group of teenage girls reported finding the headless and charred remains of a woman's corpse lying outside of a broken vault. Suspecting that the same people who were involved in similar incidents in Southwick were now in Highgate, the police took the report very seriously. On the 1st of August, the charred, decapitated remains of a woman were found near the catacomb. The police suspected this mutilated corpse had been used in a black magic ritual. After this, both Farrant and Manchester seemed to become more active. Farrant was apprehended by the police in the churchyard next to the cemetery one night while clutching a crucifix and a wooden stake. Farrant was arrested but the case against him collapsed when it finally came to court. Manchester and his followers, meanwhile, were led to a different family vault by a female female psychic helper. After forcing open the doors, they found a black coffin similar to the one they'd seen in the catacombs. Manchester, suspecting that it had been moved by black magic devotees, levered open the lid. It was only when we discovered in the putrid chamber of that tomb in August 1970 that we did and looked upon the horrific being of what was inside, Manchester said that we had the absolute confirmation of what we were dealing with. Manchester wanted to drive a stake through the body, but a member of his, of his entourage persuaded him not to, as interfering with remains was a crime in England. Indeed, the group performed a ritual that used several crucifixes, four white candles and seven cups of holy water in a ceremony carried out by four men and a woman to banish the spirit of evil or evil presence using the Latin formula. News of the spoken exorcism did indeed bring a sigh of relief to many living in the area. Manchester says the cemetery officials then bricked up the fault with a crucifix and holy water left inside. But, Manchester reflected, the fault didn't remain bricked up for long. As you pass through reams of yellowed news stories, blogs and crackly YouTube videos, you'll find that Sean Manchester was once quoted by the Hampstead and Highgate Express as saying, These same Satanists that desecrate Highgate Cemetery are disciples of the evil one, the vampire, and intend to spread the cult in the hope of corrupting the globe. Manchester warned that stealing the bones from a corpse, particularly the head, was a step closer to resurrecting the vampire king and increasing the cult's numbers. In fact, as we just said, desecrating any corpse is a crime in England and the UK. The story of the Highgate vampire is told in dribs and drabs across the internet. Piecing it together in any kind of coherent form is incredibly difficult, especially when the main players mix and match their thoughts and opinions. Their stories change as often as the wind, and most of it has been lost to the sands of time. 
That is, unless you manage to find books by both Manchester and Farrant, which by this point are all mostly out of print, as well as a gentleman by the name of Ben Ellis, who has a well-put-together chapter on the Highgate Vampire in his book Raising the Devil. During this time, both Manchester and Farrant established their own societies. Manchester presided over the British Occult Society, while Farrant was head of the British Psychic and Occult Society. Anyway, Manchester promised to up the ante with nightly patrols at the graveyard. Among those wandering among the graves was Farrant. Armed with homemade stakes and various other vampire hunting paraphernalia, he was arrested again on August 17th. Police later released a statement which they claimed was from Farrant and which Farrant obviously denied. In the statement, he said that he was in the cemetery with members of his society in order to hold a seance to contact the dark ghost that he'd seen. Farrant's trial was set for September 30th. He was found not guilty and returned to the streets of Highgate in order to keep hunting for the strange being. During his time in prison, David's supporters had spent more time at the cemetery in order to try and photograph the ghost. While they appear to have been unsuccessful, Farrant claims to have found one body removed from a coffin and placed in the middle of a black pentagram drawn on the vault floor. Remains of candles were also found nearby, thus proving that the body had been used in a black mass. Like the moon, the story ebbed and flowed during 1970. Such was the vampire frenzy at Highgate that the police staged nightly ghost hunts. But as 1970 eased into 1971, all talk of Highgate's vampire king seemed to fade with the winter snows. However, Manchester was quoted as saying, strange occurrences failed to cease and more horrifying incidents ended any hope that we quieten the disturbance with a mere spoken exorcism rite. Further vampiric outrages were to follow. About three years later in 1974, Manchester claims that he and his associates discovered the same ominous black casket in the cellars of an abandoned and suitably gothic mansion on the borders of Highgate and Crouch End. Manchester suspected the coffin had been moved there to avoid all the attention and the media and enthusiastic vampire hunters had focused on Highgate Cemetery. Manchester's group dragged the coffin out of the basement, up the stairs and into the grounds of the mansion. Manchester said dawn was about to break, starting to send spears of bright illumination onto the spectacle below. When the lid was removed, we beheld the same thing we'd seen in August 1970. This was now the early part of 1974. Our quarry this time looked even more exaggerated, even more distorted than I remembered it. Far worse than even that time in the Highgate Vault. Its burning fierce eyes under the many furrowed brow were staring, yellow at the edge, with blood-red centres, unlike anything imaginable. The mouth was set in a cruel expression and the lips were drawn back. Manchester drove a stake into the Highgate vampire. With a mighty blow, the sharpened shaft of wood impaled the creature's heart. We witnessed the body shell cave in and quickly turn filthy brown and that itself soon became a sluggish flow of inhuman slime in the bottom of the casket. As Manchester believed that cremation is recommended as the ultimate deterrent and preventative to the vampire's nightly wanderings, he and his followers then burned the coffin and what was left of the body. This took several hours, after which all that remained was a great scorch mark and some bones that needed to be ground down and cast to the four corners or four winds of the earth. Following the exhaustive process, Manchester pronounced that Highgate Cemetery is purged. So what truly was the Highgate Vampire? 
A form of satanic panic whipped into the fre- into a frenzy by the media. Two men trying to outdo one another. Or an early form of viral marketing to bring attention to the decaying state of London's historic cemeteries. If it was the latter, it was successful. As in 1975, just a year after Sean Manchester supposedly vanquished whatever was living in the area, the Friends of Highgate Cemetery was formed with the intention of preserving the cemetery for future generations. As we mentioned earlier, they obtained the freehold in 1980 and continue their work to this day. And what became of Sean and David? Their bickering continued well into the digital age, with them going head-to-head in books, interviews and eventually on social media. Their decades-long quarrel only faded with David's passing in April 2019 at the age of 73. Was Highgate Cemetery truly purged with its paranormal presence? Had the Highgate vampire finally left its hunting grounds? Had its body found some kind of peace? Sightings of an ominous presence are still seen around the cemetery to this day, with people saying that the figure is tall, thin and well over six feet in height. His dress is described as being distinctly Victorian with a black cloak and top hat. If you visit, you may just catch a glimpse of him. If you want to visit Highgate Cemetery, the easiest way is to take the Northern Line on the London Underground to Archway. Archway is roughly 0.7 miles from the cemetery, while Highgate Highgate Station itself is just under a mile. The cemetery itself is split into the East and West Cemeteries, with the catacombs being in the west and people like Karl Marx and Douglas Adams being in the east. Both require an entry fee, with the east side being cheaper. Entry to the east cemetery is included in the cost of a ticket to the west. While the east side is accessible with paved paths, the west side has very much been left to crumble and decay and requires walking boots. Do check if you have any requirements and take a look at the website for more details as well as upcoming events and tours. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to catch up with us on social media, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Walker of Worlds Podcast. If you have any stories that you'd like me to cover, please do get in touch and I'd love to hear from you. If you're looking for something unusual and interesting to read, please feel free to check out my website at www.roswellpublishing.co.uk. And again, until next time, stay spooky.